0: All right, all right, all right, all right. How many are happy to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Can you say amen? Amen. Amen. All right. Uh, It's kind of ghetto today. (laughs) No words on the screen. Um, Our entire sound team and the majority, the primary live stream team, are all out with sickness today. And so we're praying for them. We pray for them and and thankful that they get a moment to rest also. Because they work hard. Like Chad and Ari, they don't take Sundays off. And so maybe the Lord had mercy on them this morning by giving them a little, you know... No, the Lord doesn't give sickness. <laughs> but the fact that the Lord doesn't give you the sickness, don't. He also didn't heal it quickly either. So, uh, anyway, let me... Maybe this is a great chance for God to move in somebody's hearts to sign up and be part of Chad and Ari and John's team. Exactly. Exactly. That would be be awesome. awesome. So, um, this is part what? Part three or part four? Part three. No, this is part four. I'm sorry. I'm still at the soundboard because I... I mixed the sound in the house. I was mixing the sound for the live stream and the sound wasn't on. I don't know how that stuff works back there. I'm just like using the force, praying the Holy Spirit. With... So hopefully it was all right. Okay. Um, let me switch into preaching mode now. This is part four, which means we literally began this series four weeks ago today, which means you've been hearing the same message for a month. So, y'all should have been making plans by now. Yeah. Y'all should have been making plans by now. So what I want to know is what are your plans? What are you going to do? What is you going to do? Because here is the fallacy specifically with Western Christianity and precisely with American Christianity. We subconsciously believe that if we've heard it and said, Amen, we've done it. Yeah. And one of the things that we need to come to grips with is that if you're a hearer and not a doer, yeah. you're deceiving yourself. Yeah, yeah. So if I could get DJ Khaled up here, he would say, you played yourself. <laughs> because you heard the word and said, wow, that's good. And some of you might have even said, One day, I'm going to do something with that. One day, God's going to inspire me to make some plans to level up. One day, that power to produce wealth is going to do something in my life. Or, you're going to make your way through this whole series, not do nothing with it, and then say, well, I guess that there was no power in that message because nothing changed in my life. I don't see any wealth. I'm going to give you one verse of Scripture today. It's Proverbs chapter 22, sorry, Proverbs chapter 21, verse 5, and I can't put it on the screen, because we ain't got no screen. So I'm going to read it to you. This is what it says. It says, the plans of the diligent lead to profit. The plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as as haste leads to poverty. The plans of the diligent lead to profit, which means that if you ain't got no plans and if you ain't got no diligence, you ain't gonna get no profits. You might have said amen to every message and went home and said, woo, that was good, woo, that was for me. But if you ain't got no plans and you ain't got no jil- diligence, and nothing gonna change in your life. Yeah. You might have taken copious notes, went home and listened to the message three more times and said, whoo, that was good. Here's eight different application points in my life. But if you ain't got no plans and you ain't got no diligence, you're not going to see any profits. The plans of the diligent lead to profit. As surely as haste leads to poverty. Now we all know haste leads to poverty. We all know that. Nobody needs to convince you of that. What we have trouble believing is that our diligent plans can lead to profit. Because if you're like me and you hear this verse, the first thing that comes to your mind are the diligent seasons in your life in which no profit came from it. I was diligent and I didn't get no profit. I worked so hard and they gave the promotion to somebody else. I spent so many months and so many years planning the launch of that company, and it fell apart. I thought I was making the right choice, and it came to nothing. And we can all look to a season in our lives in which our diligence failed to produce profit. The only problem, the only problem with that scenario is that we bounded in a short amount of time Something that was a part of a much greater narrative. You gave up. When that one thing didn't work, you gave up. When that one thing fell apart, you learned the wrong lesson. And the lesson that you learned was I'm not worth nothing. I thought I could do this, but I can't. I thought I was gifted in this way, but I guess I'm not. Sonny and I have been having all these conversations. We were reminiscing about the first year when we started this church. Now, by the way, I'm going to open up and become vulnerable, not because I need you to come encourage me afterwards and tell me everything's okay. Let me start by saying I'm on the other side of what I'm getting ready to share with you. I already know it's aight. Encourage yourself with these words, okay? When we first started the church the first year, I told Sonny, I know how to grow a church. There's a lot of things I don't know, but how to grow a church, I can do that. This thing is going to be, there's going to be unprecedented growth. And I even told the team, the growth is going to be unprecedented. Year one, a thousand. Year five, ten thousand. By year ten, we're going to be sending out ten church plants a month. And each church plant is going to go out with three to five hundred people. We're going to be meeting in Ikea by the end of year (laughs) ten. And I believed it with all of my heart. I used to go to Ikea every week and walk and pray over that whole place. Every aisle, I'm just walking around smiling. They're like, you're not buying nothing? No, I'm buying this whole place. I'm taking this place. Jesus, every single aisle I prayed over every inch. If they would have let me in the corporate offices there, I would have prayed over the corporate offices. Every morning for the first couple of years, we did a one-hour prayer walk around the whole city of Emeryville. I laid claim to every street and to every alleyway, every home, every soul in that city. We bathed that city in prayer because I just believed this is going to be unprecedented. I know how to grow a church. And I told Sonny a couple weeks ago, a few weeks ago, remember when I said I knew how to grow a church? (laughs) I guess I, I guess I didn't. Because if you would have told me 18 years ago, 18 years from now, you're going to be smaller than you are today. I would have called you a liar, a false prophet. I would have asked you to go find another church. That would have hurt me so deep I wouldn't have believed it. Yeah. And I said to my wife, I'm like, you know, I thought I was like a good pastor, you know? I thought I knew what I was doing. I thought I was a dynamic leader. I thought I was a great preacher, but if I'm such a great preacher, how come they don't come back? Maybe I preach so good they don't need to go to church for three or four weeks. <laughs> Maybe I'm so anointed they just like, I, I got a lifetime, that one message that I don't need no more. <laughs> We came up with all these reasons. You know what I've been challenged by the Spirit of the Lord in this season to do? To go back and review my my I am statements. And ask the question, are these I am statements in agreement with the Spirit of God? And my I am statements tend to be negative these days. I am not. I am not an administrator. I am not a great leader. I am not good at growing things. I am not, and as soon as I make an I am statement, what I, as soon as I make an I am not statement, what I'm actually doing is putting a period yeah, yeah. at the end of my trial and saying, it will never get any better than this. Yeah. I'll never figure this out. I'll never be able to break through this level. Yeah. I will always be stuck here because this is who I am. Wow. Breaking through, I'd have to become somebody that I am Not. And as soon as I do that, I put a limitation on what God can do for me and through me, because now I'm dictating to God what he can do for me because of who I believe I am and who I believe I'm not. Yeah, yeah. I am not. I am not. Isn't that what Moses did? God says, Moses, I got such a great plan for your life. I'm going to send you to Pharaoh. You're going to tell him, let my people go. I'm going to use you in a mighty way. You're going to bring my people out of Egypt. And Moses said, uh, I am not a very good speaker. I don't talk so good. I am not. God, your plan for my life is hindered. It's limited to who I am not. Who I am not puts a limitation on what you might do through my life. And God, it says God burned with anger against Moses when he said this. How would you like God to burn with anger against you? You want to see God get pissed? Try telling him who you are not when he's telling you who you are. and the Spirit of the Lord has been speaking to me, re-examine all of those I am statements. Stop speaking against the Spirit of holiness and the Spirit of grace. Stop saying, stop limiting yourself to your own sense of who you are. He said to Moses, you're not a good speaker. Who gives man his mouth? You ain't got to be a good speaker. I'll tell you what to say. I'll put my words in your mouth, Moses. I didn't ask you if you are a good speaker. I didn't ask you about your personal abilities. I did not ask you whether you were good or not. I did not ask you if who you think you are corresponds with what I'm calling you to do. I simply told you to do it. Discouragement and disillusionment causes you to put a period at the end of a trial and say, this is it. I'm stuck here for life. I guess this is all. I guess this is as far as we'll go. I guess this is as good as it's going to get. I just guess this is... And then we try to spiritualize it. This is my cross to bear. (laughs) This is the thorn in my flesh. Which is the opposite of diligence. Diligence puts a comma where hopelessness puts a period diligence says yes this trial i've been stuck behind this trial for 18 years but i'm going to put a period there i mean i'm going to put a i'm going to put a comma at the end of that trial and now we're going to start a new phrase diligence is a decision to in it's a decision to be intentional in my mind about believing that we're going to figure this out. Figure it out. Figure it out. Make a decision. I'm going to figure this out. I might have been stopped by this thing for 18 years, but so help me, God is not going to be 19. And guess what? If it is 19, so help me, God is not going to be 20. 20. Listen, the only thing that I'm praying for and that I'm believing for is that no matter how many years left of ministry God gives me, that I don't give up at any state, at any place in that ministry, that I don't lose heart, that I don't stop pressing, that I don't lose my diligence, that I don't lose my intentionality. Yeah, yeah. That's it. Yeah. The plans of the diligent. Two words there, plans. Plans. That word in the in the Hebrew for plans, I've got to read it to you because I'm gonna mess it up. Mahashaba. Say that. Mahashaba. Now go spit that out before you know. <laughs> mahashaba. It means intention, curiosity, thought, or imagination. The plans of the diligent, the mahashaba of the diligent, meaning the intentions. Yeah of the diligent. The thoughts of the diligent. The curiosity of the diligent. Episode one of my podcast about the Benjamin podcast, I interviewed a young man by the name of Elijah King and he said he became curious. What can I do to make some extra money? He was 14 years old at the time. He became curious and so he thought, I can sell some stuff on eBay. So he went around the house looking first. searched his room for stuff that he wanted to get rid of and he started selling Pokemon cards and Legos and stuff. And he sold a Lego man for 40 bucks and he sold a Pokemon card that he got in a $4 pack for $40. And he was like, I'm gonna be rich. Well, when he ran out of his own stuff to sell, he started secretly like trying to sell his sister's stuff and then his parents' stuff. And he got caught a couple times and he had to stop. And he thought, okay, that's the end of that. So next level curiosity. What's next? And then he realized I'm passionate about shoes. How can I take my passion for shoes and turn it into a money maker? His passion met his curiosity. Makashaba. It's curiosity. It's starting with the question. What's the next, the next level to this? Without machashabah, you're stuck at the level you're at. You simply assume, well, this is it. This is life. Three hots and a cot. Thank God. Amen. Hallelujah. But mahashaba says, but I believe there's another level. Yeah. What's the next level? And let's say you're already rich. Then what's the next level of generosity? Yeah. You're already balling. Okay, great. Don't just stop like the rich man who said, hey, I got all I need. Let's just fill our barns with plenty. Let's just build bigger barns and then say to my soul, eat, drink, and be merry, soul. You done it. And God said, you fool. Yeah. This day your soul shall be required of you. Then whose will all those things be? Yeah. Complacency. Yeah. The whole idea that I've arrived anywhere in this life is wrongheaded. wrongheaded. It's either what's the next level of breakthrough or what's the next level of generosity. What's the next phase? Was listening to Jackson Sinyanga, the pastor from Uganda, and he told the story about when he first started his ministry, he laid on his face for three days, for three days, and he cried out to God, and God gave him a, a list of promises, and he wrote down these promises that God gave him over, a, over this three-day period, and then every day he prayed over those promises, and he said ten years in, he looked at his list and realized that every one of those promises had been fulfilled, and so he laid on his face for three days and thanked God for fulfilling all of his promises, but then he woke up, he stood up and realized he felt lost, he said, because if I don't have any promises to stand on how am i going to take the next step so he laid back down for three more days and asked god for more promises and god gave him another list of promises for the next 10 years of his ministry the question is what is the next level god is always looking to the next level yeah. jeremiah 29:11 for i know the makashaba the thoughts yeah. the intentions that i the plans that i have for you says the lord thoughts plans intentions of good not of evil to prosper you, which means God is thinking of your next level. Yeah. He's always thinking about what's next for you, what's in store for you, what kind of breakout, what kind of increase he has for your life. Machashabha. Yeah. It's intention. It's not simply reflective thought for the sake of reflective thought, it's not philosophy. Philosophy is about kind of understanding the way things work, but there's no intention in philosophy wow. to do something with it. Yeah. And most believers are philosophers. Right. We listen to messages, we listen to sermons with a philosophical mindset. I want to understand this. I want to glean from this. I want some cool, you know, things that I can repost from this and, and I can tweet. Yeah. That's the most we do with it is tweet it. But that's not machashabah. God is looking for machashaba, something to be born in your heart that says, I'm going to do something with this. I'm not just going to listen to this. I'm going to do something with this. I was talking to a friend of mine, and he said, how many books have you read in the last year? I said, I three or four. He goes, man, I read like 40. And I was like, cool, which books have you read? And he named a few. I said, oh, I read those two actually. Isn't it cool about blah, blah, blah. And I start talking to him. He goes, I don't remember a single detail from either one of those books. And I realized that I read three or four books but I read three of them two times or more. Meaning when I read a book, I don't read it philosophically just to go, oh, that's a cool idea. I want to figure out what am I going to do with this. I want to learn it well enough and intensely enough so that I can actually act upon it. I can actually apply it in my life. And until it changes something in my life, I'm not done with that book yet. yeah. yeah, yeah. The plans. The plans. Do you have any plans? Do you have any plans? Or do you just have fantasies? The only difference between a plan and a fantasy is an internal locus of control. Do you understand the difference? A plan says, I'm going to do this with God's help. A fantasy says, it'd be so cool if God did this one day without my help. A fantasy is something that you expect to happen through the agency of an external power other than yourself. Meaning, when you fantasize, you have no thought and no sense of any power to partner with God to bring it about. You're just hoping it happens, waiting for it to happen. But a plan... God's going to help me figure this out. Through Christ, I can do all things. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Amen. It's not humanism. I can't do it without Him. But with Him, I can do all things. Yes. Apart from Him, I can do nothing. But with Him, I can do all things. Amen. So we're going to figure this out. Yes. We're going to figure this out. you got to get that mindset. And I, you know, it's funny because today has been crazy. Yes. <laughs> no sound team. The live stream team, the, 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 we have... Uh, live stream members who are still being trained. And I'm like, I woke up this morning, I felt so excited because we're going to figure this out. We're going to figure this out, and it's actually going to be better than ever by the time we're done figuring this out. you got to get that in your mind. We're going to figure this out. The plans of the diligent, the word diligence, I've got to read that Hebrew word to you. Charutz. Charutz. The makashaba of the haruts. The makash—that's going to be the title of the sermon. Makashaba of the of the haruts. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't nobody going to listen to it. You're <laughs> like, nah. I don't need none of that. <laughs> haruts. Diligence. It is an intentional and thorough doing of yeah. something. Haruts is an intentional and thorough. Doing of something. Because we tend to think of diligence as a way of thinking. Our plans are what we think, and our diligence is the way we think. No, our plans are what we think, our diligence is what we do. It's only the plans of the diligent that become profitable. Because the diligent think, and they make plans, and then they act, and they produce actions inspiration without execution is meaningless at the end of the day that inspiration dies because yeah, yeah, yeah. some of you are still thinking maybe in a year or two maybe one day the lord will activate what he spoke to me in this series and i'm going to do something with it no this is a window of opportunity and an opportunity of a lifetime must be grasped within the lifetime of the opportunity yeah. when god speaks it's always a window If God speaks about sexual purity, it's time to get sexually pure right now. When God speaks about the power to build wealth, it's time to produce wealth right now. If God, whatever God is speaking, that is an opportunity because God's word always produces its own content. When God said, let there be light, the very word that he spoke went out and produced light. Amen. When God causes light to shine out of darkness in our hearts, the very word that He speaks opened our hearts and causes the light of the glory of Christ to shine in our hearts. So when God speaks, that means it's time. When Jesus began His ministry in Mark 1.14, He said, the time has come. The kingdom of God is here. Repent and believe the gospel. I don't care if you don't feel ready. I don't care if you feel like this isn't my time. Jesus said, the time has come. And whenever the word of God is being preached, a time has come. Whatever the content of that word Word is, the time has come for it now. And you've got to refute, refute that power, that that lie of the devil in your heart that says, not now. Not now. Maybe one day. Maybe one day. Here is the great problem. When you are behind a closed door that you can't seem to open, or sometimes it's a solid wall with no door in it, And other times it's a mighty mountain. You're stuck. What we tend to do is say, when the Lord shows me where this door is, then I'll go through it. When the Lord opens this door for me, then I'll go through it. When the Lord takes down this mighty mountain, then I'll walk through it. Which means that we have delegated our destiny to God instead of Him delegating our destiny to us. We tend to delegate to God instead of letting God delegate to us. He commands us, not the other way around. He sends us, not the other way around. We want to have a pizza party and say, Holy Spirit, go fulfill my destiny for me, please. It doesn't work. Until you attack the wall, until you attack the closed door, Until you approach the mountain with no understanding of how to get through it, but simply a decision that you've made in your mind, somehow God's going to show me how to get through this mountain. Somehow God's going to show me how to get through this door. It's like Abraham hearing God say, go to the place I'll show you, and then saying, Lord, when you show me where that place is, then I'll make some plans to go. It's not how it works. It's not how it works. In Joshua chapter 5, we find Joshua and the children of Israel beginning their conquest of the promised land. And the first stop is a fortified city called Jericho. The children of Israel have rudimentary weapons. They've got no experience with war. They've just finished a 40-year wandering in the wilderness. And their first task is to get through the solid walls of a fortified city. And so Joshua, every day, his camp is right near the city, but Joshua, as the leader, has a responsibility to come back and give the plan to the people and tell them, this is how we're going to get through these walls. This is how we're going to take this city. So what does Joshua do? Every morning, early in the morning, before the people wake up, he goes to the city and he walks around it and he's looking at the walls. Lord, show me. Show me the weak place in that wall. Lord, I know we're making it through that wall, but You're just going to have to show me where. You're just going to have to show me where. God, I know. And He's just walking around the city for hours for hours. Finally, he has to go back to the camp. They're like, what's the plan? He says, I'll tell you the plan. Don't worry. I'll tell you the plan. But the plan is we're going through those walls. I don't know how yet, but I know we're going through those walls. The next morning he gets up early. He goes back to the city and he's walking around the walls. He's walking around the walls. God, show me where the weak place in that wall is. Show me where the weak place in that wall is. And he keeps showing up until one day he's standing before the walls and he's not alone. An angel of the Lord is standing there with a drawn sword. And Joshua looks at him and goes, are you with us? Or are you with our enemies? Because Josh is thinking, maybe i got to fight an angel. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like He was so intentional on God, has called us to go through those walls, that nothing in heaven or on earth or under the earth was going to stop him. I just want to know whose side you're on. And the angel said, wrong. He literally responded, no, nah. <laughs> That's not the question, Joshua. I haven't come for you and I haven't come for them. I've come for the Lord. I'm the commander of the army of the Lord. And Joshua said, oh, snap. He bowed with his face to the ground. What does the Lord command? Take off your shoes for the ground upon which you stand is holy. Joshua, here's step one of your plan for getting through those walls. Take off your shoes. The ground upon which you stand is holy. And out of that experience, out of that encounter comes the strategy. March around the walls for seven days, just once a day for seven days. And on the seventh day, march around the wall seven times. Give a shout. The walls are going to fall. That's all you got to do. You see this, Joshua, you're going through the wall, but I'm going to give you the strategy for getting through the wall. But before God gives Joshua the strategy for getting to the wall, Joshua has to set up and Joshua has to acquire an intentionality in his heart that says, God's called us to go through the wall. We're going through the wall. I don't see a way through the wall, but I'm going to keep showing up and looking at the wall and pressing through the wall until God shows me how to get through the wall. When was the last time you you stood before your wall? When was the last time? You have a wall. Most of us, we just ignore the wall. You've got a fortified city that you know it's your destiny to get into, but you're avoiding that wall. You're not looking at that wall. You never go to the wall. You need to be praying over that wall every day. Makashaba intentionality. That's what it is. It's standing at the wall every day. I'm going to wake up early in the morning before anybody gets up and I'm going to go approach my wall and say, this wall is not going to stand before me for long. This wall cannot stand before me for long. God's going to show me. God's going to give me the plan. God's going to show me the way. If it's a wall of financial difficulty, you've got to show up at your wall every day. Because you know what happens if you stop showing up at your wall? Disillusionment sets in. Discouragement sets in. Hopelessness sets in. And the next thing you know, Israel is camped outside the wall of Jericho for generations, and they never make it any further. And now Joshua's depressed because the people are asking him, how are we going to get through? the? I thought we were going to get through the wall. Yeah, one day God's going to show us. We've been here for 45 years. We've been camped outside this wall longer than we were in the wilderness, Joshua. And you keep telling me the Lord's going to show us. We linger outside our walls longer than necessary simply because We stopped showing up at the wall. And the angel showed up at the wall. If Joshua was not there when the angel showed up, he would have missed the plan. You hear that? How many times has the angel of the Lord shown up at your prayer meeting and you weren't there? How many times has the angel of the Lord showed up at the place where you're supposed to meet with God, but you slept in? You missed the prayer meeting, but the angel didn't. The answer came, but you were not there. You were not waiting. Why? Because you lost your machashabah. You must acquire machashabah before you acquire karutz. Meaning, you've got to have some plans before you can have some diligence. But if you don't have in, if you don't have plans and you don't have diligence... You ain't going to have no prophets. Uh-huh. Some of y'all need to get some plans this week. Yeah. Well, what if they're the wrong plans? Then the Lord will show you that. But get some plans. Well, what if they fail? You know what? They might. And in fact, they probably will. But oftentimes, before you find the right plan, 10 of the wrong plans have to fail. Yeah. Yeah. Remember, a pharaoh has to say, ten, say no 10 times. Moses planned and went back to Pharaoh ten times, and it wasn't until the tenth time that God's deliverance kicked in. You gotta keep going back to your wall. Yeah. You gotta keep going back to your wall. You have to make a decision that I'm not going to accept defeat for another longer, another another moment. Yeah. You made a treaty with defeat. Yeah. You've made a treaty with your opposition. You need to wake up and speak the blessing of Isaiah 57, 14 over your life every single day. Build up, build up, prepare the way, remove the obstacles out of the way of my people, says the Lord. You need to wake up every morning and say, Lord, I declare that you're going to remove the obstacle out of my way today. I declare that you're going to move obstacles out of my way today, that you're going to build up, you're going to prepare the way. So I'm going to walk straight at my wall and you're going to show me a door. And if you need a faith booster, you need to get up and go to Target or to some grocery store and just walk right up to those automatic doors. And when they open, just hallelujah. That's power right there. The door senses my presence and it opens. This is what God is going to do to every door in my life. You need to just dance in front of that door. Say, "This is what God's going to do. This is what He's going to do to the spirit of poverty over my life. This is what He's going to do to my business plans. This is what He's going to do to my investing. This is what God's going to do. He's going to open every door." Amen and amen and amen. Come on, somebody. Karutz, makashaba. Karutz, makashaba. Karutz. The plans of the diligent. The machashabah of the Karuts. Do you realize that this verse is a promise from God that if you get some plans and you get some diligence, you are going to be profitable. If you get some plans and you get some diligence, you are going to be profitable. You can't help it. You can't fail. Because God can't fail. The aged Apostle John became the pastor of the church in Ephesus. After he was released from his captivity on the island of Patmos, after he already wrote the book of Revelation, they finally released him from his exile. And he goes to to Ephesus for the last years of his life. He was in his 90s. And they would pick him up and carry him up to the pulpit every Sunday. And he would stand before the church at Ephesus and say, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God. And everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God. For God is love. Let's pray. And he would pray. And then they'd carry him up the next week and stand him up on the pulpit. And he would say, Beloved, let us love one another. And then the next week, beloved, let us love one another. And finally one week, somebody took him aside and said, why do you keep preaching the same sermon to us every single week? And he says, because you're not doing it yet. (laughs) (laughs) And until you do this, nothing else matters. Maybe for the rest of this series, I'm just going to get up here and say, the plans of the diligent lead to profit. Do you have any plans yet? No? Then you ain't got no diligence either. Let's pray. God, give them some plans. And I'm going to come back the next week. The plans of the diligent lead to profit. You got any plans yet? No? Go get some this week so I can preach a different sermon. Make a decision. Make a decision. One of the interviews I did was with Guillermo uh, Willie Perez, founder of Sliver Pizzeria. And he said when he went to the ABBA conference, he discovered that he was a child of God. And he said, if that's true, then nothing is impossible for me. And he said, when I embraced that in my heart, this whole realm of possibility opened up in my mind. And I said, if that's the case, then I should try something. (laughs) I should step out in faith. And when he felt the call of God to do the the pizzeria, he said something took hold in him and he just believed, I don't care what anybody says and I don't care what hell or hot water i got to walk through, I can't fail. He said, I just didn't believe it was possible to fail. And he said, I worked around the clock, but God made it succeed. Why? Because I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. when you really embrace that and get a hold of that, you begin to believe beyond believing, my plans can't fail. Come on, somebody. The plans of the Lord stand firm. Heaven and earth will pass away before His Word passes away. Come on, somebody. Get a hold of that. All right. Yeah, come on up, worship team. You said, I believe. You said it. It is done. Just that part. He said it. I believe it. He said it. It's done. It's done. You know, most of the time I'm asking you to make a decision to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you haven't done that, that's a good place to start. And if you have done that, I'm going to ask you to make a decision this week to act on this word. Because some of you are going to your small groups and having wonderful small groups, but ain't planning nothing. Plan something, get some plans from the Lord. Get some plans from the Lord. Get some ideas from the Spirit of God. Make a decision. Uh, that's how the Spirit of God has been stirring my heart. In August, the Spirit of God was stirring me with this whole series. It's saying, Stop crying about what you lost. Yeah. Stop weeping over what you thought was going to happen and didn't happen. Get over it. Yeah. Thus says the Lord, three words that will change your life get over it. <laughs> Make a decision to stop weeping about what you lost. Stop weeping for Saul. And by Saul, I'm not talking about persons who used to be on our staff. They were not Saul. Those were godly people. So it's not about that. The point I'm making is we can be, we can be so devastated over what we've lost or failed to achieve or failed to accomplish that we miss the fact that the Spirit of the Lord, that the angel of the Lord is standing in front of you with a drawn sword. And saying, Take off your shoes, for the ground upon which you stand is holy. Your destiny is upon you. Yeah. The walls that are impenetrable are about to come down. That's the word of the Lord to you today. Yeah. That's the word of the Lord. But that word of the Lord demands your decision. That's it. You got to make a decision. You got to make a decision. You got to make a decision. Father, I pray today in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that by the Spirit of the Lord you would grip every heart. You would grip every soul. You would break the bondage of impossibility off of every soul. The lie of the devil that says, this is where I am and this is all I'll have and there's nothing more and there's no future and there's no hope. Lord, that is an accusation against you. You know the plans that you have for us. Plans of good, not of evil. To prosper us and not to harm us. To give us a future and a hope. But God, you are calling us to to make plans. You are calling us to be diligent knowing that without apart from you we can do nothing but through christ i can do all things strengthen strengthen and encourage your people today i pray right now by the spirit of god by the power of the holy spirit and in the name of the lord jesus christ amen stand up on your feet now i want you to lift up your hands we're just going to sing this just for a moment he said it i believe it what are the words it is done come on